Today's sales leaders face a difficult task, selling the right products at the right time through the right channels. A new three-day program from Harvard Business School Executive Education addresses this problem directly. Join us on the Boston campus in August for Managing Sales Teams and Distribution Channels, where you will discover strategies that can lead to the best sales performance. Learn more by clicking the banner or visiting hbs.me sales. That's hbs.me slash sales. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. When I had come down this hill, I had seen this creature cross the road. It would have ripped my locked door from my truck, extracted me from my vehicle, and there wouldn't have been a damn thing I could have done about it. This thing, I got to notice in its eyes. Its eyes was real, real evil, real sinister looking. You know, the look it was giving me. Sasquatch Chronicles, a place where people share their encounters. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show, everyone. And I wanted to thank all of the people that supported us, our endeavor to expand the show and our website, sasquatchchronicles.com. If you get a chance, go over there and check it out. One of the first things I wanted to talk about was the, um, do you guys see this encounter with the truck driver in Florida Mm -hmm. that sideswiped a Bigfoot? I know there's a lot of truck drivers out there that don't drink when they're driving 18 wheeler. (laughs) But this guy cops up to drinking and yep. he admitted to probably drinking too much. Probably not a good thing. Well, not a good thing in a story, but not a good thing in period, you know, when you're driving a 18 wheeler. He claims he was drinking too much. He knew the road he was going down. He knew exactly where he needed to be, where he was going, and he was driving and he struck what he thought was a person. And so he's in his truck. He's like, oh, no, I I just hit someone. I'm sure he put his vodka down, put it in park, got out of the truck. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if he's drinking Mm -hmm. vodka. I I just made that part of the story up. But anyway, he gets out of his truck and he looks back like 50 feet. And this guy's laying in the middle of the road and it looks up at him. And he said it looked like a gorilla. The face looked like a gorilla. As they make eye contact, it stands up. And when it stands up, this thing stood like 10 feet, 10 feet tall when it actually stood up. 
he freaks out. He jumps in his truck and drives off. So either A, this guy actually hit a Sasquatch, or B, he was drinking some hell of a drink and committed manslaughter. Uh, we're still looking well, into the story. <laughs> it, it would That would either make you drink a whole lot more or stop drinking completely. He mentioned, uh, you know, a lot of his trucker buddies admitted to seeing the same creature on that road. So I'm thinking, well, goodness, what are they all drinking the same thing? Or, you know, maybe there's really something out there. They say what part of the country that was? Florida. Yeah, it's one of the blogs. It's on uh, December 9th. Florida uh, Florida truck driver sideswipes Bigfoot on the blog on SasquatchChronicles.com. But the guy talks about when he got back in his cab that it lent out a horrible scream that terrified him. He said it was higher than a woman's scream. It was just an odd scream. And he got in his truck and he drove off. Just an odd story. You know, if it's if it's a true story, you know, even when you're drinking a lot, it, you know, and, and I don't want to I'm gonna sit back in my chair here for a moment. <laughs> You know, I've, I've drank a lot in my life, and I can out I can out drink the the best of them out there. But I've never drank and then thought I hit a gorilla, heard it scream, get back in my ca- get back in my car, and drive off. I don't think in my drunkest moments, you don't become you you don't have this delusion about you. A lot of people will hear this story and go, oh well, he was drinking. You know, who the hell knows what he saw. It's kind of like the guy in the graveyard we were talking about, or the guest we had on last week. He didn't actually smoke any weed, but they were smoking weed, the gang members he was with. And even with weed, I just don't see how someone would smoke. And I guess unless it's laced with something else, I don't see someone smoking weed and having these delusions of grandeur that they're running into an eight, nine, ten feet tall gorilla. I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think that uh, THC or alcohol are necessarily a hallucinogen. The other thing I wanted to talk about, did you guys also see the post that I did? I'm going to make another comment about the website real quick. I'm going to go off track and digress here for a moment. You can tell when Will does a blog and you can tell when, for or well, even Shannon's blogs are better than mine, but you can tell like when Will and Shannon do a blog and then when I do a blog, their blogs are usually really intelligent blogs. And my blogs are always like, oh, hey, look, here's a picture of a monkey dancing around. I don't know if anyone else notices that. Or not. <laughs> not true. I, I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> I want to see the monkey dancing around, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one of them was the male gorilla growl or roaring at this kid. And I don't even really know what set the, set the uh, male gorilla off. But this little kid is behind glass and he has like a piece of paper or something. And then you see this male gorilla just go off and it roars. And I was, and what I had posted up on the blog was when you hear that, imagine that a hundred times louder and a hundred times deeper. And that's kind of the roar that you hear or that I've heard out there. And you hear other people describe that lion's roar. It almost kind of becomes a lion's roar when it comes if you take that gorilla's roar, give it a hundred times louder, hundred times deeper, it almost kind of becomes like a lion's roar. Yeah, it's probably the closest thing that everyone can relate to, you know, in sound. But I was I, I noticed she had posted your casting guide up on the uh blog Will. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I get a lot of people that ask about footprint casting and 
you know, it's funny being friends with the Hendon and Green and people like that. You would think they would have, somebody would have shown me how to cast and, and none of them did. So, uh, back in the mid eighties, when I really started finding some good tracks in Southern Washington, actually not far from us, I had no idea how to cast. So I went, bought some plaster and thought I knew what I was doing. And when I went to pull the cast out of the dirt, they broke all the pieces, a million pieces, totally ruined. So, I found out how to properly cast and it's a little bit more in depth than people might think. I mean, it's not something that's fast or clean. So I just put together a little guide uh, and I do a lot of casting of bear and all kinds of other animal tracks too, because I don't want to have just Bigfoot tracks. I want to have all kinds of casts for comparison purposes and things. What I did is I put it on the website and, and there's just, it's a list of things that I would recommend to have. <clears throat> and I don't know if you want me to, to go into them or not, but uh, uh, this is from my own experience. Things like if you get, I think plaster comes in, in boxes that are four and a half pound boxes. And it typically takes one of those boxes, a whole box to cast one footprint, you know, and I, you have to actually dig the cast out when it's dried. And, and when you cast a track, even in good conditions, it still takes an hour plus for it to dry properly enough to get the cast out. And then you don't get this perfect print when it comes out of the dirt. It's all covered with, you know, a couple of inches of dirt. And it, and it really takes, I spend a couple of weeks cleaning all the dirt out as to uh, prevent any of the detail being brushed off. Because plaster is soft for a long time. It really takes a long time for it to dry out. Anyway, take a look at the uh, guide that I put up here and It'll really help. I mean, and you want to practice on things like even if it's the dog or cat's tracks, you know, no amount of practice hurts, you know, until you get it down and then go out and find the real thing and and you'll have a much better uh, cast or casts when you're finished. No, the only the other person I wanted to thank was on Facebook. I don't even know how this guy got this name. You know, Facebook's been cracking down on if your first name's real or your last name's real. This guy's, his name on Facebook is Bigfoot Wanted T-shirts, and he sent us an article. I threw it up on the blog. Uh, it's just so I look smart compared to you guys, but it's the uh, Canadian Monster Men of 1935, and it was a really cool newspaper article back in the 30s when they were talking about Sasquatch. You know, a lot of people think, well, the boom of Roger Patterson and the Bob Gimlin of the Patty film caused this huge sensation on people seeing these creatures everywhere there's a lot more to it even way before the 60s there's a lot of encounter stories and really good encounter stories all the way back to 1811 was the first or 1818 one of those two i can never remember uh that's the first actually news article written published anywhere on the east coast and when I wrote notes from the field, I, that was one of the chapters. And I, what I wanted to do with that chapter was go through and demonstrate from, you know, that time period before 1820, each decade had articles. I mean, I think I used an example of two or three per decade, but it was consistent all the way to the Patterson filming. So yeah, these stories go way back. And then, before all that, Spanish missionaries were recording incidents, or not incidents, but um, uh, accounts from the natives 300 years ago. So the history is continuous all the way back into unrecorded times. Up on the website, we have behind the scenes to where we're going to be talking. We talk about different types 
And I know a lot of people really like the behind the scenes that we do, the videos that we plug in. So we're going to be putting much, much more than what you see up there now. There's going to be a lot of, I know Will goes into the different types. And that's one of the big questions we seem to get all the time is people want a breakdown of the types. And and so if you get a chance, check it out. We'll be talking about the different types, different subspecies uh, of these creatures. And uh, we'll be going into that. Yeah, I got a little bit of clarification from our friend Mr. Black on that. So it's it's a little clearer now how they those four types fit together. You know, I I got somebody sent me this and it's supposed to be a letter written by a man named H. A. Miller, who's now deceased. The man was born in nineteen oh nine. And just briefly, I mean uh, the story's on the blog in its entirety, but this letter was supposedly written by him and talks about how where he grew up and where, how he was educated and got involved with the Forest Service. Uh, the man apparently was Yale and Harvard uh, educated. So, and they talk about uh, the, him being involved in early genetic experiments and that led to the discovery of the double helix system and DNA in the early fifties and things like that. But he was called in when supposedly uh in an area called uh, Bandera County, Texas, where forestry scientists reportedly had the bodies of a strange type of human. And they thought it was uh, members of the Comanche Indian tribes in that area, but uh, as it panned out, it wasn't. Uh, there were three bodies, all three female, one adult, two young ones. One of them was actually still alive. But he goes into talking about these things, and it's pretty interesting. I mean, I you know, personally, I don't know. I'm on the fence. I mean, it could be, it could be a true letter. It could be misinformation, but, uh, a lot of the information seems to fit with what we do know about these creatures. You know, I mean, he goes into great detail about teeth and, and how they're designed and things like that. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of information. I mean, we could probably spend an hour talking about just this, but uh, I'd really encourage everyone to go up to the blog and take a look at this. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting story, especially when he talks about the different types, different subspecies, goes into their teeth, uh, goes into the, how they behave. I mean, that guy went into a hell of a lot of detail. Yeah, what strikes me, especially, you know, is, is at the end of the letter, uh, he talks about this species is amazing, powerful, and deadly if angered. It says, like any animal, it protects itself, its food source, and its young at all costs. And, and we've heard things like that in all these accounts when people talk to us about their encounters, you know, so there's plenty in here that fits. I mean, there's some things that, that I'd like to double check on, but it's pretty interesting stuff. I mean, they talk about, you know, when he talks about the teeth, the first on the lower jaw being really large. And, and I know from what you said, your encounter, my encounter, I noticed how big the jaw was and you can look at the Patterson film and, and things like that and see how large the jaw is on these things. And they said, he said specifically designed for bone crushing. So they knew they were omnivorous and would be opportunistic, opportunistic feeders and predatory. Uh, so they were able to tell a lot about, you know, if this is true, of course. Yeah. There's a lot of details in that, in that story. Well, we have Michael from the Boston area on. He's got uh, a number of encounters he wants to talk to us about. Cool. I want to welcome Mike to the show. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, buddy. Excellent. How are you tonight? I'm I'm okay. I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing good. It's good to be well, on. Now, what what all do you have for us this evening? Oh, I got a few things this evening. Um, 
Uh, do you want to start off at the beginning of my my interest in it and how it became an interest and from there? Sure, we can do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was, I mean, I'll just say that I have been into the subject for literally like 25 years. My um, dad was a um, really, uh, really good woodsman, was a police officer for um, almost 40 years and basically loved the woods and everything about it. And um, he, um, and there in fact made me someone who became interested in the woods and spending time with my dad. And, um, we, I became uh, his hunting, his little hunting partner at a young age. And we would, um, go, you know, go into the woods, we'd scout and I'd actually go with him on, on hunting days. It was a lot of fun for me. He, he would take me at the you know, chagrin of my mother. My mother did not want me going into the woods for some reason. Uh, later on, I found out uh, why she was against it. Um, I would go with him and, you know, I, I had just become accustomed to going with him, um, liked it at the time. And uh, one day, on the way back, we were actually uh, scouting for, um, I don't know if any of you guys are hunters, I've listened to the show. On the way back from scouting, scouting for deer, we, um, and my father, actually, it was bird season, I believe. So he, um, on the way back from there, he wanted to scout out some places for a tree stand. We had the bird dog with us. It was a spring of spring of spaniel. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the breed of dog, spring of spaniel. Sure. sure. Okay. Um, very friendly. The reason why I brought it up because it would it would go up to another human. You know, if it saw a human, it would run up and play or you know try to play or whatever. So we were leaving the area. You know, it was it was um, getting towards dark, and you know, I was I was nine at the time. Nine or ten. I'm 39 now, so just to give you a time reference. We were leaving, and um, a the dog took off, basically. It went behind a, um, which was odd, because the dog, as I remember, it didn't just take off from my dad. It was kind of next to my dad, unless it was doing its business as a hunting dog. Um, it took took off, and I remember it didn't go that far. It went... Um, it, it probably went, um, I'm going to say 50 yards at first, and we kind of saw it. It was, um, like I said, it was near dock, so you couldn't really get a good glimpse of what was going on, a great glimpse, a, good, a fair glimpse you could. It, it was out there, you know, I'm going to say 50 yards. It started heading back. It wasn't a big deal at that time, but it was unusual because it just took off. So we thought maybe it was a person in the woods. We heard a little bit of something, but not... Um, not anything to alarm us to say that there was another person coming or anything. It was strange. I, I, as usual, people reference this. It was strangely quiet, but not to the point. I, I mean, I was nine, so it wasn't alarming. But I remember my dad saying, "Oh, it's quiet," and we talked about it after that, after the fact later on in life, and he said it was quiet. Dog disappeared, uh, and you know, make long things short. It disappeared. It reappeared, and I, I and I remember feeling. You know, better. I do remember some things when I was nine or ten. I'm feeling better that it had reappeared. It was uh, it was just a strange feeling at the time. The next thing I I personally remember, and this is what I remember, that not being told what I remember was um, the dog not. Now the dog's gone. All of a sudden, it's gone. I hear tree, you know, breaking branches, breaking, yipping, the yipping of the dog. Um, not 
I I never got a I never got a bark out of the dog. I don't remember. The, and my father said it didn't bark either. It was more of a of a yip and um, nothing. My father's reaction at the time, and he was a big guy. He was, um, you know, a big man. Uh, well, can handle himself. Uh, really good with firearms. Really good. Uh, actually, um, trained professional boxers at the at when I was growing up too. Um, could handle himself. Was was afraid. He he ended up being afraid. I remember that as you know a kid. And to see your father afraid um, is something I didn't forget especially him being who he was. He was afraid. He grabbed me, wouldn't let me go towards the area where the um, where this was happening to my daughter, whatever was happening. He wouldn't let me go towards the area. After the yip, I couldn't see. It was a, I want to say a berm, I don't know, a hilly area, a berm. They called it a blind maybe. I don't know how what they refer to it as. But um, I couldn't see. My father, like I said, we had bird shot with us. Because he was, as I remember, he was because we were uh, bird bird hunting, and uh, we went to scout a certain area for the deer. The dog was, you know, he was backing me out. The dog was completely silent. I couldn't see it. My father backed me out, and he next thing I knew, he drew his police issued weapon, which at the time was a it was you remember this is a long time ago. It was a three fifty seven revolver. Um, that he brought with him into the woods all the time, just in case um, of anything, anything going awry with me. Uh, you know, he's got to protect his kid or whatever. Um, there is, there are no deer in that. I mean, no bear, bear in that area. There's no bear. I'm trying to be good with the Boston accent too, so you guys will understand me. It's it's pretty <laughs> pretty tough to understand at times. So there's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no bear in the area. Um, You're doing okay, Mike. Okay, good, great. Uh-huh. Well, I am a little nervous to be talking to Will. I'll, I'll admit that. Will's uh, Will's like the rock star to me. So um, yeah, that's right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, Will. Will's great, and no, Will knows. Nervous. <laughs> Will's been Will's been great to me. I gotta say. So, um, Shannon, do you want to? Uh, do you just want to go get a drink? And let these guys finish up. <laughs> yeah, we'll let them finish here. They have it. No, no, every, everyone's welcome. I, I enjoy all you guys. I listen to all the podcasts numerous times. So. You're all great. No, you're doing um, great, Mike. All right, too, thanks. <laughs> um, so anyway. Too little, um, too, little too late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Woody and Wesley, your story is unbelievable, by, by the way. It's great. Um, really good. Um, but anyways, the um, so my father drew his police-issued weapon, which kind of got me a little frazzled at the time, too, because I've never seen him draw his weapon the police issued weapon when we were in the woods. There was never a need for it. Um, he hunted with a bunch of uh, policemen who all knew the woods, were all like my dad pretty much, and there was no need to, there was never any need to, you know, maybe maybe one of the cops had at one point to maybe put an animal out of its misery that, you know, had to be or whatever. But there was no need to pull the police issued weapon. He did. He held me close. The fact that the dog... He wouldn't let me go towards the dog. Is up uh, was upsetting at the time because you have to remember at the time the dog was actually a family pet as well. So in my mind it was like a pet, a friend, you know, whatever, part of my family. I couldn't get over towards it. Um, and he wouldn't let me. He grabbed me and backed us out of the woods with his weapon, revo- um, his revolver drawn, and um, 
took us out of the woods, never really taken his eye off the area where this had happened. And at this time, I told you it was 50 yards, I believe, and uh, it got 20 yards more in towards us. So I'm going to say it was 30 yards away at the time of the incident of what happened. So now we're at the point where there's no there's no grunts and there's no um there wasn't anything like that I I recalled as a nine year old. So as we'll as I'll tell you, my father had said things after the incident that made me think of different things and how I got into the subject. But um, we backed out pretty much um, you know together. Him holding me so I wouldn't get away from him. He was very good about that. I remember and. He was he was mumbling stuff to himself that I I didn't really understand at the time. I didn't understand a lot of it. Confusion as a nine year old seeing your father like this. Um, back me out of back me out of the area where we had been scouting for uh he had been scouting for his tree stand. Got got all the way back to the van. Um, got back to the van. We took a van uh, hunting. I remember it was an old Boston Gas Company van. Uh, that he had purchased for uh, boat fishing and um, for hunting and throwing deer in the back after he shot him or whatever. And uh, I remember that as a kid. And he got me to the van. The first thing he said to me was, don't you dare tell your mother. That's what he said. He said, I, I now, I, I'll always remember that part of it. Don't you dare tell your mom. Um, I'll, you know, I'll handle this part of the day or something to the effect of that. I'll handle this part of the day. Meaning that, you know, Keep your mouth shut when we get home, kid. Um, <laughs> that's it. We got home that night. I, I had a brother um, at the time, and he we'd kind of switch off going hunting with my dad. I don't. He didn't want us both going. Maybe we were too much to handle at the same time. Um, that that sort of deal. So I had told my brother Steve, and he was just like off the wall. You know, well, what, you know. Where's the dog? You know, the dog, we didn't, you know, obviously we came home without the family pet. That was the, the main thing. And like, I, I didn't go into the, um, the discussion, the discussion area with my mother about what happened to the dog. My mother loved the dog as well. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a hunting dog to her. It was, you know, a dog that would go in the backyard and, you know, hang out with her by the pool or whatever. There was that. You know, it was a great dog, and this is why it's so it, – yeah, I honestly, I remember the dog like it was, you know, last week. I don't remember a lot of the stuff surrounding the incident, but I do remember the dog. And uh, what what happened was um, after my father had, you know, in my mind got done explaining – I didn't know how he was going to explain it away. I was just told not to bring it up to my mother, and I, and I eavesdropped a little bit as a kid, as we all do. And I heard, you know, my mother not happy, you know, about whatever he had explained to her at the time. He wasn't happy. My mother, my mother, excuse me, wasn't happy. I thought at the time she wasn't happy about, um, you know, what happened to the dog. Which I'm sure she wasn't, but I found out later she wasn't happy about my dad and, you know, bringing, bringing me to where he had brought me and putting me in the, in the situation that he had, he had put me in, um, so that went on for the for the night, and me and my brother talked about it, and Steve, my brother Steve, was very inquisitive about it, blah blah blah. So he had forced my father into taking him, my my father. I'm trying to say it the right way. So you guys get it? Uh, taking my father, uh, he convinced him to take him into the woods. Us uh, uh, three, the next. Um, I I'm gonna say it was the next day. Obviously, my father had told my mother, which is not obvious to 
it's obvious now, but my father had told my uh, mother that we were going back to look for the look for the dog. And what really happened was um, his partner uh, at the police station, um, this guy named Dick, he um, called my father and said he had to meet with him. It was it was the next day. I want to say the next afternoon. Said he had to meet with him. As my father used it as an excuse. I think my father knew the dog wasn't, you know, I didn't know, but my father pretty much knew that the dog wasn't coming back. You know, that was not, that was not going to happen. So my father used that, that phone call as an excuse and said, I'm going to take the, both of them out. I'm not taking them into where we were, um, the area we were. Um, I'm going to take them to a bird, you know, a bird place, a bird where, the other cops would go as well, and some of their kids would go. I remember it was a big thing. We'd all go together, eat some uh, wild game. They'd cook wild game up for lunch. It was a big thing. And uh, we all got to go together. And me, my brother, and my father went, but it wasn't for that this day. It was for something else. And I found out when we got there, it was in this area. Everybody, you know, refers to it. And, uh, you, I mean, you guys heard of it, the um, Hockamock Swamp Bridgewater Triangle, that you, you, are you guys familiar with that area, all three of you? Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the um, the the area, and um, we, Steve, my brother Steve, I remember had never been there, so he was excited to check it out, uh, the whole thing. When we got there, my father's partner was waiting there, and he said, "I gotta, you know, this is what." Now remember, I'm I'm young, I'm nine, I think I'm nine at the time. I want to say. I didn't, this is what's relayed to me, the words that relayed to me later on and, and, you know, later on that his partner was waiting for him, said, I, I'm going to take you to where, whatever, take you there. Um, we all went, me and my, me and my brother goofing around, whatever on the way. We don't understand what's going on. I'm telling Steve, you know, there's a, I guess we're looking for the, you know, we're talking about the dog, we're back and forth with a few other, the other kids. We get to a certain point and, they stop us. There's, I want to say there was two other or three other kids with us. They stop us. They leave us with one of the guy's wives were, was a hunter too. They left us with her. They all went somewhere. We, we, I didn't, um, I'm not, I'm two years older than my brother at the time. So I'm a little older. He's, you know, he's seven years old or eight years old running around in there. I, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's even allowed these days or whatever. Um, but, you know, maybe because they were cops, they thought they could do what they wanted. I, I don't know. Um, we got um, pretty close to the area where they were. They were gathered around looking at something. What, where they had gone to was my father's friend's tree stand, where he had put his, his tree stand in. I never understood how this guy, and it's good for later on in a couple minutes when I tell you the rest of the story. Um, I never understood how this guy got up into a tree back then, because the tree stands back then were like, they would, it was everything was done differently. It was like a piece of metal, just basically a piece of metal way up in the tree. And I, I didn't get how this guy, this guy was big. He was six, like, I want to say six, six and well over three bills. And he got up into that tree somehow. So um, I remember that. And when I was, old, I guess my father trusted me and for the fact that I was with him the prior when the incident with the dog happened, um, I was allowed to go over there. There was a blue, I remember this, there's a blue top kind of over the dog, over which I didn't know was a dog at the time. Um, there's a blue top over this thing. And as I got over to it, you know, 
I know now what it was and what happened. Um, something had brought the dog, my dog, uh, the family dog, underneath where this man's tree stand was. This guy Dick's tree stand was, and it was my, um, it was my dog. Um, it had, it had been uh, ripped apart, basically. You know, it was it was dead, and it was under the uh, under this guy's tree stand. Um, I remember them talking about. You know what? What did it? Uh, the whole, you know, the whole thing. I'll always remember that. And that was the first incident that got me into into it. Because later on, I learned that my father had gotten a pretty good look at what was around and what scared him so much, and it was huge. Mike, let me ask you. Yep. You know, after you said what was your favorite, I completely checked out. Would you mind starting from the beginning? <laughs> What? <laughs> no, um, I like all you guys. Come on, come on. Um, <laughs> is my phone okay though? Is it okay? Because I was worried about my um cell phone. No. It had a problem earlier with Will. And You're doing great. Paul. Okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. I have a question for you, Mike. Yeah, sure. On on the uh, when it was the dog had the tarp over it. Did yeah. one of the men put the tarp over the dog, or was that the way they found it? No, sorry. Um, Dick Schwar- uh I'm going to say his last name. Dick had put a uh, put a top over um, the dog in case the kids had gotten uh, close enough to view um, what was basically what was left of the animal of my dog Poco. Um, okay. He he was smart enough to do that at least. <laughs> I had one other question too. Um, sure. You had you had messaged me and told me uh, what your dad called what he saw. Do you want to tell us about that? What are you speaking about Irma? Was that? No, what he, what he, what he called the creatures. Oh, um, he had, he actually had a few names for him. Will, um, he called the, I mean, which name are you referring to? He, I mean, the name that he left with my mother. When you mentioned boogers. Oh, oh, boogers. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mother. Um, well, that was more of a term my mother had used with my father. Um, the boogers, yeah. Oh, she called them the boogers and those of uh, those booger men. Um, that was more her thing. And then she later on called it um, uh, Chewy, from mm-hmm. obviously Star Wars. Um, for some reason, my mother, like, and my mother's still around. Unfortunately, I think a few of you guys know my father passed away, and this is why this subject is um, pretty important to me um because he it was important to my dad and come to find out it wasn't just that lone incident that made it um important to him i found out other things um but yeah that's what it was uh i believe will um it was uh yeah boogers boogeymen and come to find out obviously that's a term used uh in the south right mostly in the south um which is weird uh, my, my mother has family in the South. Her name is actually Virginia. Um, and she, there was some people down South. Um, I know it's Virginia, it's Virginia and I don't know where it is, but, um, she had a family down South and, um, a lot of the, and weirdly enough, a lot of their first names, Virginia, I don't know, uh, strange family. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, it, go ahead, Shannon. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, as far as the Bridgewater Triangle, um, my eyebrows went up when you you said that was the area yeah. of the Hockamock Swamp because a lot of yeah. you know strange and awful things, as you know, goes on in that area yeah. of Massachusetts. Yep, 
absolutely. It's um, it's it really is a strange area, and I'm not into um, just uh, when I listen to you guys show. It's um, obviously I won't I won't say too many times how much I love you guys, <laughs> but <laughs> I uh, I I do love it, and um, and I I listen to the show, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of I mean I'm not gonna sit here and tell you uh, there's a ton of Bigfoot activity here and Sasquatch activity. I mean, you're more you're more likely to run into somebody on the FBI's 10 most wanted list here right. than to run into a Sasquatch. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, I grew up, um, you know, and uh, the movies are the potted. I grew up in that area. You know what I mean? So you're more likely to run into that type of trouble than you are a Bigfoot, uh, a Sasquatch. My father just was into the woods, so I became familiar with um, these areas because of that. I mean, and I've I run into people as I think I told Will or you, Shannon, and I don't think I actually get a chance to message back and forth with Wes. Huh? But I told you that uh, I, I got to, I've gotten to speak to people around the area. I, I got into the subject, obviously, because uh, as you see, that incident alone would get someone into it. It would either scare you enough to not be into it or totally fascinate you. And uh, yeah. I I went the fascination route. Other people that I know from that day weren't too fascinated by it. Um, I was. I took that route, and um, I started interviewing people and stuff. It, it really bit me. Um, that area bit me. Do you have one of the encounters that you'd like to share with us? or? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, th that's the – I'm not going to, uh, you know – go too crazy but i don't have um like uh wes and Wo like wes and woody story out like the type the class type of that that's a i don't think i have a i have a bunch of little like little uh incidents um i don't have an a i have a an incident where i think i was pretty close to one i i heard you know i heard the not the samurai chatter uh more of the 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 loud whoop you know what i mean um Another thing, it's, it was after obviously the first incident. Um, my father didn't, uh, heed my mother's warnings too well or listen to her or whatever. He just still went to different parts of the area. It's, you know, it's 200, uh, it's, a, it's, a, well, I don't know the, I shouldn't say, that. I don't know the exact, um, Lauren Coleman is actually the one who referenced exactly, you know, the area and pinpointed it out. But in that area, I've had, um, you know, numerous little, little things happen. And I think I was close enough to one where I literally felt the, uh, the whoop it does. I felt it go through me. I thought it was, um, it was a little bit after this incident I just described to you guys. Um, I, I was probably still not able to go hunting on your own or anything with my dad again on the other side of the area. And this was more towards, um, the clay banks, they call it which is an area that um, eventually I would find out that other people had um, incidents at. Um, you can actually look up a few of them. I actually cut out a, uh, a newspaper article way back, and I still have it, strangely enough, of another man who had an encounter there on the clay banks. Um, behind me at the clay banks, I heard the, uh, the whoop sound, and I can't do it, so I would. I've heard some people do the noises on your show. I'm not even going to embarrass myself to that point. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it went, yeah okay. <laughs> it, it went right through It went right through me. And like I said to – I think I said to Will before, my experiences with them, um, 
man, it is almost like a motorized, like, and believe me, I'm not saying it's robotic or anything crazy like that. I, I do want to get that out of the way uh, before I even go any further. I, I do, I'm not going to say I believe, I know. I know, I'm a knower. I know they exist. I'm not going to say I know exactly what they are. I believe they, they are, um, they're animals. They're wild animals. Um, you know, and just like any, any other wild animal as listening to the show, uh, if you, you say they're, they're dangerous, they're absolutely dangerous. And from my story alone, I mean, Will, Will stories and, uh, Wes and Woody and a lot of the stories you heard on here, they're, they're dangerous. And, you know, to think that my next incident, this thing was, it had to have been, um, you know, I was out, I was out with my dad, another cop as usual, and his, the cop had a son that was, I want to say three to four years older than me at the time. And he was able, I, I know this because he was able to hunt and I wasn't. He, um, behind us was just a whoop. And oddly enough, um, there was a, uh, some movement. There was definitely movement. And my father immediately packed us up and left. Immediately said, um, you know, we got to go. And I don't think the other, the cop that was with us at the time, I believe wasn't on the force the time a lot of this other stuff was going on. I, I want to say that's the reason why. I don't think my father explained to this guy exactly what was going on. Um, I would love to go back and um, actually be able to ask my dad if he knew. That's something I thought about um, for the second time that I ha- thought I had a, you know, an incident on the way home. You know, and my, I remember my father saying to me, you know, that's now where do we go? Now we're on the other side of it, meaning where can I take you? Because he wasn't going to stop hunting, obviously, okay? So he was like, now which, which, which part do we go into? Which area do we go into? There's four other, as I found out, there's four other ways you can ent- enter the place. And he's like, which way do we enter now? So I eventually my mother stopped I think he explained to my mother what was going on. I was no longer allowed to uh, go to that area. She, he, he found my mother. Found she was a she's she a smart lady. She's still smart. She's still around. She knew. She stopped it. But and I, there is another thing I do want to say to you, Will. Um, I don't know if we have time, but I do want to tell you that um, in my town alone, I, I'm from a little town. There's, um, I mean, it's probably you know, <laughs> population's different all around the country obviously there's 17,000 people in my town um slash city whatever you want to call it and there's it there's a wooded area around here and um my father um a little bit after the incidents um that he knew that I was involved in and stuff he um it's crazy all this stuff happens um a guy had called the police station in my town and they kept, he kept calling the police station and he kept reporting. I actually put this in this. When I was talking about Irma earlier. I didn't want to leave people hanging with that. Um, Irma was actually the name of this four foot hairy, um, I don't know. It sounds crazy at the time, but that's not crazy now. Um, this four foot hairy bipedal animal that townsfolk was seeing, you know, in their, in their backyards, taking drinks out of their pool, their little pools, their, turtle pools at the time and you know my father was the one that kept getting calls for this strangely enough because he already had his incident with it and a lot of the cops up the cops actually gave it the name irma 
because a lot of them were familiar through hunting with they were knowers that these things existed, and they affectionately named it Irma, I guess, because they would be like, "Oh, we have another Irma call," and my mother would hear that it was, and that's how she started really believing, and you know something was going on because. There would be Irma. There would be Irma sightings around here um, in the police blog everywhere on the scanner. I remember being a kid, and there would be a call for Irma on Beach Hill. There would be, oh, um, you know, a hairy animal um, in the backyard. Um, a guy can't explain what it is. It's in the backyard. It's scaring the kids, the animals, whatever. So that's another incident that was around, you know, when I was growing up that made me really attach myself to the subject. That and that's pretty all, interesting. Now it's, yeah, now it's all the way in, basically in my backyard. You know what I mean? It's in my senior year in high school, a kid I don't even know, mind you. I didn't, I, I knew who he was, so I was in the same class as him. I don't talk to him. I don't know him. I overhear him telling his friend that he was driving home, him and his girlfriend, um, one night, and a hairy creature crosses the road on Beach Hill, and he swerves and gets in the car accident. And he swears, you know, that um, that's what caused the accident. And his girlfriend swore to it. And it was, you know, and I'm in the background listening to this. And I can hear people going, yeah, you're crazy. Now, mind you, he's not telling a teacher this. He's not telling someone he has to get out of trouble with or anything. He's telling his friends that this thing crossed the road and he got in an accident. And he's swearing up and down that it's true and people are laughing at him. I don't know this kid from a whole, like, I know him from... The kid that sits in front, like two things in front of me, I, I would never, I wasn't friendly with him, nothing. And I'm just laughing right. because, because I know what he's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. I know it's, I know it's real. And, um, it was just funny that it ended up like that. I remember a while back reading about Irma and the yeah. cops naming it Irma. And it was this bipedal, hairy yeah. hominid, or, you know, that would run around and, I do remember that. That's odd. Okay, That's uh, yeah. fascinating, huh? Well, well, uh, there's another part of the story, um, quickly, and I don't know what I got the time. You guys can just tell me to shut up, and I'll take off. We, we got about um, we got we got about five minutes, Mike. Okay, cool. Um, Irma, there was a picture, it was a Polaroid picture of Irma floating around. Okay, and believe me, I wish I had it. And the cops had, um, they had it. They were showing it to each other. And a guy, a savvy guy, got a picture of it somehow. And the picture, I actually got to see. I got to see the picture. Obviously, back then, I didn't get to keep the picture. You couldn't put it in a scanner. You couldn't do it. Um, you know, it was in the, I want to say the early 90s or, you know, around that time, maybe 88, 89. But um, it was a Polaroid picture, and it was near the the creature itself was standing next to an above ground pool. And the strange thing was that he wasn't out there taking pictures of Irma. He wasn't waiting for Irma to come around. He was taking pictures of deer in his backyard and he was friends with my father and he was a deer hunter. Okay. And he was taking pictures of the doe and the bucks in his backyard. And this thing happened to walk across the front area of the pool. And he so got, what did it look like, it. Mike? It, it honestly, to me, it looked like a, a walk in. It sounds ridiculous. It's, it looked like a, a walking teddy bear. That's what it looked like. I, I have no other way to explain it. I wish I could tell you it was, it looked like, um, 
a crazy monkey um, escaped from Plum Island or something. It didn't. It looked in the picture. It looked like a teddy bear that was walking. And maybe that's because of my age. When I saw it or whatever, I was, you know, 16. Uh, the only way I could describe it, I don't know, it's about that age or something. The only way I can describe it, that's what it looked like. Um, I mean, it didn't have hands like a like a Teddy Ruxpin or anything. It had, you know, it had human-like features to it. But I, I just remember looking, me and my brother looking at the picture and saying, oh, man, it looks like an upright, you know, walking, like, teddy bear. Not a bear, because we didn't say bear. We said teddy bear. I don't know, because... The way it was kind of, it was puffed out. It wasn't like skinny. It wasn't, um, it wasn't like muscular. It just looked like thick through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why I said teddy bear because the features on it were, it didn't have the long arms on it yet, you know? It didn't have that type of, it had, it was kind of stubby looking, to be honest with you. Did you get a look at the face at all? Um, I got to look the way the picture was, unfortunately, I got to look at like where the air was positioned and it's the side of its uh, face that came out like, um, you know, it was more monkey like, you know how a, um, a monkey will, or a chimp will put its lips together. Kind of, it was like right. that, like it, the uh, lips came out to a point kind of like it was almost kissing, like trying to kiss Did someone you were you able to tell if the face had hair on it or not? That, that's what I was wondering. Oh, okay. Um, there was definitely a portion of the face that did not have hair on it, and the color of it was um, a grayish. I was going to say, I was kind of thinking maybe with the proportioning it was a type 4. Okay. Um, I did listen to a lot of the – which type would that be? What, that's what the one they... that's a little smaller. It's more the proportions. The arm and arms and legs are closer to human proportions yeah. than what we hear with normal Sasquatches. Yep. Um, I would say it was either that's the case, Will, or it was, um, you know, a it was. Little, yes, exactly. A better way to describe. I was just gonna say it was either that or it was a young one. I remember though because the the in ground pool, the outline of it was white, and I remember the picture. It the skin tone on the actual creature on the face, the lip area and stuff, it was like grayish. It was like a um a really messed up kind of gray. Um kind of an ash, kind of an ash color. Yes, yes, yes. It was yeah, definitely like that type of color. It wasn't like you or I or anyone else's uh it was an ash color. It wasn't any type of human like color to it at all. So I wanted to ask you, we got about uh, two minutes left, but I, I meant sure. to ask you, I wanted, I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to your dad's encounter. Yeah. What did, what did your dad say he saw? His own words, uh, that day, uh, Sasquatch. He, that's what he saw. There was no, there wasn't any, um, there wasn't any doubt. Like there wasn't talking amongst the police officers about what it was, the people that he hunted with, none of that. And it, believe me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be saying this if this isn't what he said. I wouldn't, he's passed. I wouldn't be, you know, putting this sticker on his name if this isn't what he said. He, this is absolutely what he said that this was what, you know, this was Sasquatch slash Bigfoot. He, we didn't call it, uh, like, like he said earlier, boogers. That's what my mom called it. That's what my dad called it. We didn't call it Bigfoot really. We, it was Sasquatch or the booger, you know, the, the booger. And um, he said it was big. He Sasquatch, the booger. He was convinced that that's what it was. And he, him along with 
I'm going to say three to four other cops who were definitely woodsmen who every year got together and had a wild game Christmas, meaning they would have all sorts of wild game that they shot and killed. They would call it. They knew what it was. It was, it was definitely a Sasquatch. No doubt about it. And he, I, I had many other stories from the other cops that would, uh, you know, not just here. We're talking New England, Maine, um, Vermont. Like these, all these areas that they hunted, they went to, and they have stories all over the place. Like, you know, diff, different cops, they all had different encounters, you know, not class A encounters all the time. Like, you know, some people, but they had little encounters that they knew this thing it was, they knew it was real. And that day, that day with my dog just really confirmed it. You know what I mean? That was for them. That was when they said, yeah, that's, this is what happened. You know, my dad's name was Tony. Tony, you know, Tony got the outline of it. Tony saw it. He saw the outline of it, guys. I don't want to have that much time, but he saw the outline of it. You know what I mean? He saw how big it was. He saw the outline. I didn't. He did. It was a beast, you know? That's how he did it. was just a beast in the woods, how he described it. Well, that's an awesome encounter, man. We really appreciate you coming on. And, oh, no and problem, sure, man. You do, Mike. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really enjoy the, like I said, I really enjoy the show. I really, you guys got me through a tough time. Like I said, I got sick and I found the podcast and it kept me going. It, it really did. It gave me energy, believe it or not. I found, I've listened to each of the episodes like over and over again. It got me back into something that I hadn't been, I hadn't been into for a long time. After my dad passed, it, it really got me back into the subject and I'm doing some speaking to kids and stuff and some uh, engagements and stuff. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. It got me back into it. Yeah. It got me into it. And there's a bunch of kids out there that I'll tell you that were my age, you know, when I was into it and I was 13 and stuff and I didn't have the, the computer or the internet and people talking about this and the, it, it, all the stuff that we have now, the, the, um, the podcast, the TV shows, all, and I don't like a lot of the TV shows, but all that stuff's out there for them to at least take an interest in it and go their own route with it, you know? So it's, it's a good time for it too. And there's some kids really getting into it now too, which is great. And I really like talking to them about it. Yeah. yeah well, we appreciate all the kind of words, man. Oh, yeah, no problem. So yeah. It's great. And I'll, I'm sure we'll be talking again. And if you guys ever need a, someone to come on and I can, you know, always fill in for somebody or whatever you guys need. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. We appreciate yeah. it. No problem, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Bye, Mike. Thank you. That was really interesting. Yeah. I wish we had more time for him. I feel bad cutting him off. I know, but you know, it was the, the another one of those uh, police encounters, not just regular citizens. It was, yeah. you know, these were cops that were seeing these things, and, and it was very matter-of-fact among them, so I, I always find that interesting. Yeah. It's really vivid, the, the memory from him being nine and his dad pulling out his police issue, which he said he never did, so I'm sure that stuck with him on top of his dog oh, being, yeah. he heard his dog being killed. That's like, man. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. I'm just glad... I'm just glad that you two, you and Will and yeah, or Will and uh, Mike, can continue your bromance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just I'm just jealous. But you're just jealous, man. <laughs> he is. I can hear it in his voice. <laughs> well, I I understand when someone says Shannon's her favorite. I get it. Uh, it's like okay, I get it. You I know, don't. Easy in the eyes. <laughs> you know, I get it. But Will, come on. 
I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just breaking your balls, Will. We are going to take a quick break. If you are listening to us on SasquatchChronicles.com, hang tight. We'll be right back. Uh, if you're not, I want to thank everyone for listening, and we will see you next week. If you get a chance, check out the website, SasquatchChronicles.com. Time to turn off the TV and turn on a clever little app called Audible. With Audible, you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love outside. You know that place you're supposed to be in the summertime. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook. If you don't like it, exchange it any time or roll your credits over to the next month if you don't use them. So get up and get outside with Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first audiobook is free at audible.com.